1: The month of May being Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, I'm interviewing Asian American leaders. And this week is Bill Amata, who's the founder, chairman and chief connectivity officer of IW Group. IW Group is a very well-known multicultural marketing and PR agency located in SoCal that Bill started over 30 years ago, working with many top brands including American Airlines, Coca-Cola, General Motors, uh, HBO, Lexus and McDonald's to just name a few. And so we'll be right back to hear Bill's story. On this week's tech news, we're going to first start with Google announcing that they expect that over 60% of its 140,000 employees will only need to spend three days in the office per week post pandemic. Uh, this is a policy that was just announced company wide by their CEO, Sundar Pichai as well as uh, goes along with other technology companies such as Microsoft and Slack, saying that a return to the normal nine to five workday is never gonna happen, and that alternative work schedules will be the norm. If you are a fan of the 1995 era of Windows, which would be Windows 95, and the icons you've grown accustomed to over the last almost 30 years, get ready for a shift. Microsoft is finally moving towards a newer look and feel for their icons. So if you've embraced the old look, it is going to be a change for you. Google, because the amount of users, the amount of ransomware that's happened and other types of vulnerabilities, they've announced that by default going forward, they're going to be enabling two-factor authentication. That's where you need to get a text message, you need to get an alternate email or some other form when you log into your accounts. So or just too much Uh, risk nowadays in how um, accounts are being set up on Google. So you just want to make sure that things are going to be safe. They actually had a survey that uh, 66% of all Americans admitted to reusing the same passwords over and over and over again. So just a reminder to change your passwords often. And that is the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, in honor of Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month, my special guest today is my friend, Bill Amata, who is the founder, chairman, and chief connectivity officer of IW Group. IW Group is a minority-owned and operated advertising, marketing, and communications agency focused on multicultural markets. Bill has had over 30 years working with some of the top domestic and global companies in the world, including American Airlines, Coca-Cola, Fox, General Motors, and HBO, just to name a few welcome to the show bill hey keith great to be here thanks for having me hey it's great always to see you and great to have you bill i wanted to start off with you such an illustrious career how did you even get into the space because i I know you but i wanted you to tell your story how did you get into marketing pr in
2: a multicultural setting well keith uh, i started off wanting to become a pharmacist And I thought I was gonna move in that direction because uh, I have a number of pharmacists in my family. And as I was uh, in college, uh, my brother pulled me aside and said, Bill, you really don't wanna be a pharmacist. And he's a pharmacist. I said, well, why not? And he goes, you really don't wanna be a pharmacist. Consider something else. And I thought about it and I decided, maybe I'll pursue HR. So I decided that I would go into HR Uh, I worked very hard to uh, advance in that area, and I had an opportunity right when I was in college to become an HR manager, and I decided to jump on that opportunity, and I went into HR, and I said, well, this is the perfect opportunity, right from college, getting a job, Uh, and I realized after working in HR for several months that I really was not cut out for that work Uh, because I'm a people pleaser. I don't always want to disappoint people like... Uh, By the way, your work product isn't any good. Um, I can't give you that raise. I'm going to have to let you go. Uh, And doing that just wasn't for me. And then I moved into a variety of other areas, politics, executive recruiting. And I realized that uh, my love was really marketing. And so I thought I would go into advertising and marketing. And I originally applied for a job with a big agency and they turned me down uh, and I was really angry that I got turned down and I decided, okay, well, maybe I'll try something else. But I decided to go into advertising I went to apply to a big agency and that big agency said, you're too old. Um, what? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I was 27, just turned 27. And they said, you know, you're kind of old uh, for an entry level job. And uh, you know, they were just very frank about it. Uh, We don't want to take a risk on somebody as old as you. Uh, So they offered me a temp to perm arrangement and I took it. And I had an opportunity to pitch a piece of business, which was Anheuser-Busch. And the assignment was, if you had a half a million dollars, how would you reach Asian American consumers? And I said, Um, really interesting, great. And the president of this organization said, hey, Bill, do you want to pursue this? And I said, no, not really. Just because I'm Asian doesn't mean I know how to market to Asian Americans. And he said, come on, is there anybody else that looks like you in this company? And I looked around and I said, no, I'm the only Asian American. He goes, do you want to do it or not? I said, I'll do it. And I ended up winning that business only to find out that this larger organization uh, couldn't represent this company and the executive of this company said, why don't you start your own company? Mm. I said, because I don't want to. Uh, and he said, well, why not? And I said, I just don't want to. I, I've had a lot of problems before and I just want to have a stable job. And he ended up pushing me to get started and Anheuser-Busch became my very first client. So that's how I got into advertising.
1: Um, wow. I mean, that's great. It's always the uh, serendipitous moments, kind of the nudging. We, we talk about this offline a lot, just how... Um, anybody gets started in something and it's often unexpected, but often works out.
2: Yeah, and and I think, uh, you know, the people that are listening in, people should remember that even if they don't get what they want the first time, keep trying. Uh, Remember I told you I wanted to work for McCann Erickson? McCann Erickson didn't hire me, but fast forward, my company is partially acquired by a company called True North. And that company was acquired by Interpublic Group of Companies And in that meeting, uh, when we were talking about the transition, they asked me if I wanted anything. And I said, I want the president of McCann Erickson to serve on my board of directors. And they made that happen. So the president of McCann Erickson, a company that I wanted to work for that turned me down for a job, now serves on my board of directors. Yeah,
1: I'm glad you told your story, Bill, because I think there's a lot of times people are hesitant to start, I think, especially... Uh, people with imposter syndrome wondering if they can really be successful stepping out. I mean, you had prepared for a career in HR that didn't work out. And then you found your love for public relations and marketing and you were getting initially the door slammed on you, but you kept persevering. You found the right, what we'll say in the technology world, the value scene, you, you took it, you went with it and it worked out for you. And I think that's a testament to what you've done, but also is a reminder that others can follow in your footsteps.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I know all the tech startups in the Silicon Valley. I mean, um, people give up on them and sometimes people give up too easily. But if you really are passionate about what you want to do, you could get there. You just can't give up.
1: Yeah. And that's where I think uh, the term grit comes in. That's a word I love using, especially when I'm dealing with my startups. It's the um, we talk about this a lot in how we value how we choose which ones we work with and there's something special in the founders Absolutely. And it's that grit that they have.
2: Absolutely. And I do have to say, you know, after working with Anheuser-Busch for 11 years, the executive vice president who frankly was the meanest son of I've ever worked for. Uh, I went back to him after, uh, he kind of browbeat me a little bit and kept saying things like Asian Americans, you guys are a bunch of wimps and things like that. Um, He really toughened me up in a lot of ways. He was a a Latino guy, a Latinx guy. And I went back to him after 11 years. He was retiring and I said, you've given me the best MBA money can buy. What can I do for you? And he said, help 100 people and your debt is repaid. Uh, And he showed a little bit of humanity. So I I feel like, you know, in the world of angel investing, uh, for me, it's like, I don't care if your company fails. Uh, I just want to be able to give you an opportunity to go on your journey uh, and find your own path. I love that. I love
1: that. I share that philosophy as well. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My special guest today is my friend, Bill Amada, who is the chairman, founder, and chief connectivity officer of IW Group, a very well-known PR marketing firm in Southern California that's worked with some of the leading global domestic brands and we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about IW Groups, so don't go away. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and I'm on Clubhouse at Keith Koo. And we'll be right back.
0: For questions or comments on today's program, call one 828 7846 That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo
1: hey insiders welcome back to silicon valley insider i'm your host keith ku on today's show i have bill Amata a good friend who is the founder chairman and chief connectivity officer of iw group a pr and marketing firm that's been around for over 30 years has worked with some of the leading global and domestic brands and has a niche on multicultural marketing welcome back bill
2: hey glad to be here
1: so bill you're a pioneer in this whole concept of multicultural marketing it appears to be so relevant today what are your thoughts over your time watching this
2: space grow and why is it relevant today well because the population it's relevant today because the population is shifting in just a few decades non-hispanic whites will be in the minority uh, and It's also important to recognize because just Asian Americans alone, we've grown by double digits in 49 out of 50 states. And because of that rapid growth, companies and organizations really need to focus on how they're going to shift their marketing, public relations and advertising so that they're not only relevant to the consumer, but they're culturally in tune with who these consumers are. So that's why it's relevant. Uh, But it's also important because when we have a population that isn't in the majority, that means we've got to think of different ways to connect with those consumers.
1: That's great, Bill. And I know we're gonna talk about it a little bit more in the next segment when we get into DNI, and DE&I in corporate America. But I wanted to talk a little bit about, we heard your personal story earlier, but I wanted to know more about the history and what's going on with your company, IW Group
2: well the history was uh awkward because once i got started with uh, anheuser-busch they were my only client for many many years and then we uh, realized that they couldn't be our only client and we had to reach out to other companies and i will tell you it was really difficult starting out because you know when they look at asian americans we're not a monolithic community we are a group of multiple communities and ethnicities, Chinese, Japanese, Koreans, people that were born in the States, people that were born overseas. Uh, and although two thirds of our population uh, were, was born outside of the United States, we had to deal with this lack of understanding. So one of the things I think that is important for your listeners is that sometimes you have to pivot and change conversations because if you say things like, well, we're the fastest growing population of the country, We are loyal to brands, we love to consume your products, but once we're part of your loyal customer base, we're probably not going to stray. And a lot of the companies just kind of look at you and went, okay, great. Uh, There's Chinese, Japanese, Koreans, Filipinos, Vietnamese, and a bunch of other people coming to this country. Uh, In the scheme of things, you're really a small community. Uh, Much rather go after black Americans and Latinx consumers because there are significantly more of them Uh, And I realized that that I couldn't just continue to use the same message points over and over and over again. And so when we were pitching a big fast food company, um, I kept running into the same executive for seven straight years with the same message. You got to target Asian-Americans. We're the fastest growing population in the country. We are loyal consumers. We're growing significantly across the country. And he would say, yeah, that's great. Uh, frankly, you're six, seven percent of the population. We don't target six or seven percent of the population. Plus, that there are Chinese, Japanese, Koreans, Filipinos. I just can't get my head around it. Next year, same guy. And I did the same routine. Fastest growing population, blah, blah, blah. And he looked at me and goes, Okay, great. Bill, see you next year. And then finally, I realized that I had to pivot. And I went to this executive and I said, uh, What do you do in Europe? And he said, what do you mean, Bill? I thought you were the Asian American multicultural expert. Why are you asking me about Europe? I said, do you do any multicultural marketing in Europe? And he goes, that is the most ridiculous question I've ever, of course, we're big in Europe. And I said, pick any country in Europe that you're currently marketing in. And he goes, Belgium, what's your point? And I said, so you do multicultural marketing in Belgium? And he goes, yeah, French, Flemish, a little bit of English. what is your point point? and i said did you know that the chinese population and the indian population in the united states is bigger than the entire population of belgium oh and by the way if you put every asian american on an island today and it's separated from the us it would probably be the 16th or 17th largest economic power in the world um, and he said what and i said oh by the way the Asian American population in the US is not only bigger than Belgium, but bigger than Greece, bigger than Sweden, bigger than Hungary, bigger than Austria. And he said, what? Are you saying there are more Asian Americans in America than there are Greeks in Greece? And I said, exactly. And he said, Bill, you just got my attention. So in order for anybody uh, that is trying to start a company, sometimes your messages fall flat. And if they fall flat, you should pivot and switch gears and speak a language that your audience understands. And this man understands Europe. So I decided to focus on Europe first.
1: Uh, that's great, Bill. And our final segment's called the pivot. So we'll think of a different topic, but you know, I think that the point is well taken that sometimes you need to alter your methods. And, and, and what we said earlier, you got to find the value scene for the audience. Uh, one thing that I love talking about as you and I both do a lot of, pro bono nonprofit community work and community building. Um, I recently had to explain to a mixed audience, a mixed ethnicity audience that 43% of all immigrants in the world live in the United States. Not that 43% of the United States are immigrants, 43% of the world's immigrants live in the United States.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and if you look at the immigrant population here, Asian Americans continue to be fueled by immigration. Uh, And we've actually surpassed the Latinx community. There are more Latinos born in the United States than immigrate from foreign countries, uh, whereas our population continues to be fueled heavily by immigration from Asia. So there's something to be said about the growth of our population. But I also think it's important that if we look at the world in general, let's look at Latin America. Latin America combined, and we'll throw in Brazil, we'll throw in Spain, just for good measure here, it's about 750 million people. Now, we look at Africa, more than 50 countries. It's about 1.3 to 1.4 billion people. Now, look at Asia, China and India alone. China's population is 1.3, 1.4. That is the same number of people that live in the entire continent of Africa and the country of India is bigger than the population of all Latin America. So where's the growth gonna come from in the United States? Well, it's an interesting point, especially since you're
1: right, uh, that is a huge population of people as they immigrate to United States and also other parts of the world. Uh, We earlier were talking about Europe in your example, uh, 20 years ago when I was traveling frequently to Europe, I landed in London, and on the flight over, I had a copy of a magazine called Asiatic. And there were no Asians, what you and I would consider Asians. They were mostly South Asians. And of course, anyone from 48 countries in Asia are Asian. But 20 years ago, this magazine was Pakistani, Bangladeshi, um, Indians, and no East Asians, Southeast Asians. And now, um, leading certain other communities of Asians, you've got western asian you got central asian and um on u.s person they might even be listed as caucasian but they're identifying as asian because they don't feel necessarily they fit the typical you know caucasian ethnic label i'm going to bring it back on the next segment just because we're going to take a pause because we're out of time on this one but we'll come right back and keep on with the conversation you're listening to silicon valley insider my special guest today is bill Amata, founder chairman and chief connectivity officer of iw group a 30-plus-year PR marketing agency out of Southern California, working with the top global and domestic brands and specializing in multicultural marketing. Any questions or comments or how to get a hold of Bill, email us at info at svi.biz. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. You can find me on Clubhouse at Keith Koo, and we'll be right back.
0: For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo.
1: Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo On today's show, in honor of Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, in the month of May, I am focusing on Asian American business leaders Today's guest is Bill Amata, who is the Founder and Chief Connectivity Officer of IW Group, a multicultural ad PR marketing agency located in SoCal that Bill started over 30 years ago. Bill has led successful engagements at companies like PG, McDonald's, and American Airlines, Lexus, just to name a few, so don't go away. On this week's Cyber Tip, I'm going to talk more about ransomware, but specifically for small businesses. In a recent speech, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas had said that over 50 to 70% of all ransomware attacks in the US target small and medium businesses. And in the last year cost those businesses $350 million. Uh, They also announced that they're creating structures and the US cybersecurity infrastructure security agency uh, in order to offer tools and educational programs to these small businesses in order to help them defend themselves from these attacks. Uh, They also promised that more resources are gonna be on the way. Uh, The tip is that in battling ransomware, the DHS would actually conduct a 60-day sprint focused on helping these companies. Uh, The Justice Department also announced that they have created a ransomware and digital extortion task force, which includes the Department of Justice and the FBI and the Executive Office for the United States Attorneys. Um, small businesses are the backbone of the U.S. economy, and also that makes them a very, very uh, juicy target for ransomware criminals. And what Mayorka stressed was that every small business needs to take steps to understand their importance in the ecosystem and that they need to make it a priority to keep themselves safe. So if you're a small business and you're struggling with how to defend against cyber attacks, just go ahead and email us at info at and we'll put you in touch with people that can help you. And that's the cyber tip of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, special guest today is Bill Amata, founder, chairman, and chief connectivity officer at IW Group, a 30-plus year multicultural marketing agency out of SoCal, working with some of the leading global and domestic brands. We've been hearing about Bill's story, both personally and how IW Group got formed. In our last segment, we just started talking about how things have happened over the last three decades, and how right now multicultural marketing is definitely relevant with the globalization, with the economy. And earlier, we had just mentioned how there are over 48 countries in the Asia continent alone, and both China and India alone surpassed the entire population of Africa. Welcome back, Bill. Glad to be here. So Bill, right when we got cut off in the last segment, as we ran out of time, we started talking about the example where when I used to travel to Europe 20 years ago, quite frequently, Asian Asian meant something different. Asian to folks in the UK was specifically South Asian. And now fast forward 20 years later, as I'm working and you're working globally, we're meeting with Asians in the UK, in Europe, in Australia, in Canada, in New Zealand, other parts where there's diaspora. Uh, the term Asian is actually starting to be adopted in other parts of the world where it actually came up as a term in the late 60s here in the United States. You as a multicultural
2: marketing expert, what do you make of that? Well, uh, people are beginning to realize that uh, Asia is a continent filled with a diverse group of people, uh, including South Asians, East Asians, Southeast Asians, Central Asians. And they're starting to recognize the importance of, of those populations, not only in Asia, but also in the Western world. Uh, But we're also seeing that companies are recognizing that we are often the bridge to those countries. So if people want to reach out to India or Pakistan or China or Korea, uh, they often can start off by reaching out to the people that live in their home countries. And so uh, I'm pretty excited about that change. Uh, There's more of a consciousness about Asia and there's more pride about being Asian.
1: No, it's a great point. And I've been in stages inside Clubhouse as that's a really engaging social media platform. I know not everybody is completely plugged into it yet. And we'll have folks from West Asia and Central Asia asking, can I be here? Like, of course you can be here. And it's not just, you can be here. Anybody who is interested in the culture, in collaboration and just learning more, everybody's welcome. Cause that's to your point, how we get a better understanding of other cultures and that we are really becoming a global society. Um, I wanted to now shift, cause you just mentioned it in, in your last um, statement that what is it looking like in corporate America? How does DE&I play into it both internally to a corporation and then how they actually portray
2: themselves externally? So the diversity, equity and inclusion folks that are in corporations, in the past, I think it was more like window dressing you had to have somebody say that they're involved in diversity, equity, inclusion, and typically it was an African-American female. Uh, and, I, and I used to um, criticize the companies a little bit and saying, why are all the DE&I folks, black women? Can you not find other roles for the black women? Uh, but I think part of it was because companies wanted to just have an external face saying, we've got our handle. On diversity, equity, inclusion. But they also wanted to show off these people to their internal team saying, you know, diversity and equity, inclusion are important to our company. But after George Floyd was murdered, and Ahmaud Arbery, and Brianna Taylor, and Eric Gardner, the DEI people became even more important in the companies. And they started to tap into their expertise more and more because the employees were starting to demand that companies be more activist, be more intentional and purposeful about uh, equity and inclusion in their corporations. So there's a whole new movement internally in a lot of these companies that is often fueled by Gen Zers and younger millennials saying, we cannot operate as a company and be part of the status quo. We have got to lean in and make change and it's got to start inside first.
1: It's great how this confluence of things are happening in the Gen Z and millennial populations. Um, Last year, I had a good friend, Steve Cadigan, who we were colleagues at Cisco Systems. I was leading M&A IT integration. He was handling it for HR uh, in terms of teams. He went on to become the chief HR officer of LinkedIn when it was going um, IPO. So he was the first, and he does a lot of HR consulting, was talking specifically about how Gen Z, is really driving the whole notion of how hiring happens. It's very common now for no longer than a two-year tenure per company, especially even the people that are the crown jewels of the company. Um, they want to feel connected. They want to. They want to be uh, part of a mission, and not the kind where it's a long-term commitment in a in a big nonprofit. Because we see this in nonprofits as well. They want to know that what they're doing is impactful immediately. That's part Absolutely. of the and so bringing in this DE&I concept, um, companies are having to, sh- I mean, there's COVID-19, that's forcing a digital transformation. There's the events of the last year and a half between the black community, the Asian American Pacific Islander community. Where do you think this goes next? This is, this is happening at this moment in time. Where do you think this is headed?
2: Well, one thing that's gonna have to happen is that we now have to think about actionable steps uh, I think the companies are all making these statements uh, in favor of of Black Lives Matter movement, but also in favor of stopping the violence around uh, that's being perpetuated um, against the Asian American communities, perpetrated, I should say. And so now the companies are being pushed by their internal teams and even external folks that you have to be actionable. You have to be purposeful. You have to have an intentional plan of action that's going to fix what's happening in society and businesses must play a role. But I also think that corporations are under a tremendous amount of pressure by their internal teams uh, because uh, these young Gen Zers are saying, bring us into problem solving early. Do not wait to bring us in. We cannot have an oligarchy of people at the top that are a bunch of OGs and boomers. You need to step aside and allow us to be a part of those decisions and discussions. And if you're not going to allow us to be a part of those decisions and discussions, we're going to leave. Uh, And we're not going to leave happy. So what's happening now is a revolution of sorts within companies um, that people realize that if they're going to survive with this generation, these upcoming generations, these next-gen folks, that they're going to have to demonstrate that they are part of the solution, not part of the problem. And that might mean money, that means time, that might be new products, whatever it might be, they have to be intentional, transparent, and authentic in the way they do things.
1: It comes to my mind, Bill, because you were also a pioneer in working with millennials and Gen Zs that not only were you a multicultural expert, you're also a multi-generational workforce expert as well. So hats off to you. Yeah. Uh, so one thing is that is obvious to me because I live in Silicon Valley and I know many Silicon Valley companies are taking the lead in modeling um, this new way of doing business and working proactively with Gen Zs and uh, adopting policies, procedures to be inclusive, Uh, how are other industries progressing? I think
2: a lot of the industries are struggling. There's a lot of implicit bias about millennials and Gen Z, uh, but I think a lot of them are struggling. They're not sure what to do. Uh, They're not used to having their power questioned by such a large group of people. So one of the big messages that I have for the corporations and the organizations out there is bring people in early. Don't wait uh, until they've been with a company a year or two. Let younger people be exposed to the problems and issues that a company or organization have early uh, and let them be a part of the solution. Uh, and, And part of the reason why people leave is that they don't feel like they're making an impact. They don't feel like they have purpose. They don't feel like the organization embraces their views, their values, their diversity, and that they don't understand how to interact with them. And so companies need to be aware that if they do not show this level of authenticity, vulnerability, transparency, they're gonna fall. And I'm really encouraging people to, to make sure that when they hire people, They let them see everything. Do not hide anything from them. Let them help us find solutions.
1: Well, Bill, thank you for being a guest today on the regular part of the show. Um, Always insightful and would love to have you come back. Well, thank you. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Ku. On today's show has been Bill Amata. Founder, chairman, chief connectivity officer of IW Group, a multicultural marketing agency that's worked with the top global and domestic brands for the past 30 plus years. Uh, when we come back, Bill is going to be talking about on our pivot, uh, what he predicts for the future and how this all works together. If you want to get a hold of Bill, you should go to iwgroup.agency or you can email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And I'm on Clubhouse at Keith Koo. Be right back to close the show.
0: For questions or comments on today's program, call 1 888 828 7846. That's 888 828 SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo.
1: Hey, insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, my special guest has been Bill Amada, founder, chairman, and chief connectivity officer of IW Group, a multicultural PR marketing agency out of Southern California, leading, working with the top brands globally and domestically, and actually at the forefront of multicultural marketing, which is so relevant for the time we live in today. Uh, Early in today's show, which you should download, Bill talked about his personal history, IW Group's history, as well as what has changed in the last 30 years in terms of multicultural marketing. Bill, it's been so great to have you on today. Hey, Good to be here. So in this segment that we call The Pivot, we're usually talking about what will change, good change, bad change, things that we predict. I think in the theme of today's show, what would be a really good topic to dive deep on is this whole concept of allyship and what does it mean in multicultural marketing? What does it mean for Asian Americans and Pacific
2: Islanders and our allies? So what I'm trying to get our allies to do, because we have a number of allies, is to say Asian American and Pacific Islander. I've been on a number of conference calls and panel discussions where our black and Latinx allies will often default to a black and brown discussion. When they say brown, they don't mean people from South Asia. They mean uh, Latinos, Latinx folks. And so part of the reason why I'm asking our allies to do that Uh, is first to make sure that they help us become visible. When they don't say Asian American and Pacific Islander, when they're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, they help perpetuate that model minority myth, number one. And they also help perpetuate this notion that we are perpetual foreigners. So I've been asking every one of our allies to please say Asian American and Pacific Islander whenever they talk about diversity. But I also want our colleagues to know that our allies is that we are not all successful in the Asian American community in marketing. We're a little bit guilty of promoting the things that uh, are, are important about our about our community. You know, uh, our high education level, uh, the amount of wealth that we have. But at the same time, it's important for marketers like me to make sure that we also talk about the things that. Our community still struggles with so we have the largest income gap of any major ethnic community in the country and it passed black americans this gap between the wealthy and the less wealthy and we need to start telling more of those stories we also have to lean in to the stories of other communities and pull them in so a lot of people are talking about storytelling and how important that is That remains important. But that means that each of us as Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders or Blacks or non-Hispanic whites or LGBT folks or Native Americans, we all have to lean in and share our stories. Those stories are unique to us. But if we don't share those stories and learn about other stories from other people, then we're never going to be able to escape this myth that we're model minorities, that we're perpetual foreigners. So I've been asking everyone You all have a story. Whenever you have an opportunity to share it, share it. But also have empathy and listen to the stories of others because we will be more enriched as a society if we share our stories and hear the stories of others. I'm also trying to get us away from terms like white privilege. I have to say that uh, we always talk about being scapegoated as Asian Americans, but I also feel like White privilege actually scapegoats white people. And not all non-Hispanic white people, in my opinion, are privileged. Yes, there's some aspects of privilege, race, color, of course. Uh, They're less likely to be shot by a police officer. They're less likely to be attacked on the street. But at the same time, there are a wide number of non-Hispanic whites that are not privileged in this country. And I think we have to recognize that Scapegoating other people does not make it better for us.
1: These are all excellent points. And I think what it comes down to for me is that ultimately back to storytelling, we all have an individual story. We all represent an ethnic group, but we all have an individual story. Once we break down the barriers and learn other people's stories, that's where we can really connect and put ourselves in each other's shoes. Uh, I can't tell you how many times my black friends and my latinx friends when i actually sit down with them and say you know as much as there's a perception that asians have quote unquote made it that there's the model minority myth i can show them statistics they're actually quite shocked that when it comes to southeast asians Mongolian, laotian cambodia and thai uh, they are at the lowest rung of the economic ladder in the united states and that they don't qualify they don't show up anywhere uh, because of the invisibility being lumped in with all asians and uh, just really walking them through that and that's why these individual stories build. That's the important piece of building relationships.
2: Yeah, and our allies can help us by inviting us to share our stories. Uh, but our also, our allies can also help us by making sure that we have people that look like us at the senior most ranks of our companies, of our organizations, because frankly, we need to have people that are agitating on the outside. but We also have to have allies that look like us on the inside of companies and the fewer of us that there are at the senior most ranks of companies and organizations, the fewer our stories will, the few, fewer stories we'll have to share with others.
1: This is a great point to end with. Last week I had hang black VP at Juniper networks in a, in a non DE and I well, she's a sales operations leader, but she does DE and I um, on her own time. She uses an analogy about a, bag of yellow skittles and that the one blue skittle is going to stick out and so back to the point of having a diverse workforce a diverse board is that you don't only just want to say you have the one you want to actually have it as a part of a mosaic because then no one's going to feel like they're standing out and everyone will feel included so i think that's a great point to end on today
2: yeah great. well thank you so much for your time
1: No, thank you, Bill. Um, Thank you so much, Bill. It's always great to talk to you, to chat with you, now to have you on the show. Definitely want to have you back on and wish you all the best.
2: Thank you so much. Great being here.
1: You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider. Special guest today, Bill Amata, founder, chairman, and chief connectivity officer of IW Group. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at info.svn.biz. You can find Bill at iwgroup.agency. And you can also
0: find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we will see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN.